Welcome to the show. This is Recover Like a Mother. I'm so glad you're here. My name is Lane Kennedy, and this show is inspired by recovery and living a calm life. If you're missing out on living a calm life, I'm so glad you're here. If you're in recovery and you're looking for answers, I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for being here. Now let's get into today's episode. You know, we're both yoga nidra teachers. We both love this practice so much. And I know like I've gone in one direction and you've gone in another direction, but I, I feel like you've gone deep into sleep or like really restoring women. Yes. Yes. I, I love no, yoga nidra is still my first love, Yeah. but hypnotherapy, when I went through my hypnotherapy training, I really got more into the nervous system and how we can really tap into breath and meditation to access a place of not just calming down, not just quieting ourselves, but actually beginning to heal our nervous system and create new neural pathways to move forward. And the more we practice and do this, the easier it gets. And that our, our brains, our control centers naturally want this for us. So it's a way that I think is just a beautiful modality for healing without traumatizing you. And without, you know, uncovering a bunch of things that maybe you don't want to walk back through. And so this is also the gateway to sleep issues, which there's so many and it just all comes out. And yeah, it's something I'm, I'm pretty, pretty passionate about. Welcome mama. My name is Lane <laughs> Kennedy and this is recover like a mother. I am going to go deep with my gal pal, Rebecca Moulton and you know, she is a hypnotherapist. She is a sleep expert. She is a mother of two and she lives in recovery. And we're going to get into her story because I absolutely adore, I, I absolutely adore what she's doing in the world. But before we were recording, she said, you know, my story is not that exciting. It's just kind of what it is. And I thought, but wait a minute, there's a lot of mamas out there that it's just not too exciting, or it's just like, I just don't want to do, I don't want to drink anymore. I don't want to live like this anymore. So Rebecca, welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you. So let's share with our ladies. Let's just jump in for just a quick second of like, what was the catapult that, you know, enough was enough. I'm going to put down the drink. I realized that to truly walk the healing path, it wasn't serving me. And I was tired of feeling like any little emotional episode, I would drink. And I just decided my next step in healing is going to be to go deep. And I can't do this numbing myself. I can't do this with this crutch, this tool, the survival mechanism. I need to go it alone and really learn how to regulate myself. And I had no idea all the things that I would learn along the way, but that was really my impetus was just walking that path and not just for me in the aftermath of the divorce and wanting to be my own best friend and love myself. And, and that took a lot of learning, but I wanted to be able to be there for my kids. And that really did it. It takes a lot of courage to say no. It takes a lot of courage to be able to look at yourself in the mirror and say, this isn't working. And 
one of the things that I just love that you said, are you, so you've been in the healing arts profession? Yes. I've been a yogi for like ever for 25 years, yogi right. and meditation person, but it wasn't really until after the divorce that some of the stirring started to awaken for me to go deeper into that aspect also. Yes. And this is what I want to get into what you just said. I've been a yogi. I've been in that healing arts, but you were still drinking and there's right. so many, and, and I'm not like shaming anybody. That's not what this is about. This is about this conscious awakening that women are having and men as well. But I really feel like there's an awakening happening of these yoga teachers or this sect of people, this community who are saying enough of enough, I'm done drinking. I don't want to do this anymore. And so they're being asked to get rid of the alcohol, leave it alone, stop. Yeah. And it, I find it so fascinating because I can, I'm, let's just call it like it is. I'm super judgmental. And <laughs> I, you know, I'll, I'll go into a conversation and somebody will say, Oh, I'm a yoga teacher. And then she'll be, you want to meet at the bar and have a drink? And I'll be like, no, that's not who I am. It's not how I roll. It's not how my spiritual alignment is. It, like when I pick up a drink or any kind of mind altering substance, I am no longer spiritually connected. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's not, yeah. it's not a way to live for me. Right. And it's in some ways, it's such a simple choice but you have to have enough distance. It's, it's very kind of yoga itself is being able to observe just a simple thing, an alcoholic beverage. It shouldn't even be that big of a deal to say, no, I'm not going to do this. But it becomes so ingrained in your life. And you can't always see that until you back up and are able to observe yourself and observe your knee-jerk reactions and see how you handle emotions. And can you sit with yourself and just feel emotions in your body. And that for me was, was the work was the yeah. yoga nidra. And I couldn't have done that, that deep work had I been numbing and had I been drinking and have, it was a behavior, but it took me a while to kind of realize that I didn't have that awareness until I really went through my divorce and, and decided to really go deep into my own healing. And by the way, Yogis and everyone can do that sort of checking out and numbing and coping mechanism with anything, including yoga. And you yeah. so it's not just alcohol. It's not just, and for me also, it wasn't, it was all of the patterns and behaviors that had led me to that point. And, you know, my knee jerk reaction to feel like I had been wronged or want to lash out, you know, all of those things begin to unravel once you back up and start to be able to see yourself more clearly. Yeah. The practice of being present. That's what yes. we're talking about, right? That's, yes. And people don't understand that until they've had that spiritual bottom where they can actually have the psychic change to see that being present is a way of living. It is a way to be in your life. And so your kids, your kids are older. Yes. So they saw you, I guess, quote, get sober or stop drinking. How do you call yourself? Are you sober or are you sober curious? What is, do you identify or are you just alcohol free? Uh, I think I'm sober. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 it's funny that I, I don't even 
get asked about it anymore. In the beginning, because I've been sober now for about four years. And in the beginning, people asked me because they noticed that I wasn't drinking, but I didn't say anything about it. And now the most awkward moment is when someone that knows you offers you a drink, you say, no, thank you. I'm going to have sparkling water or whatever. And then they want to know why. And when you can go through enough stuff to where, yes, that's the most awkward moment. And if that's the most awkward moment in your life, that's you're fine, but you get through that and you're like, I know I can do that. I know I can be present. I can stay with myself in that moment. I can be there for myself and I don't have to, you know, explain and do this and do that. But now it's just easy. People know, Oh, Rebecca, Rebecca doesn't drink, but I'll say like, no, I'm actually sober now. And people are like, Whoa. So that's, it's pretty amazing when people around you start to see the changes and then they come into acceptance of, Oh, she's living a different lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Like it's that simple. And I think so often we get caught up or the alcoholic who steps into recovery, they get caught up with the stories of what other people are thinking about them. Oh yeah. And what am I going to do? What am I going to say? What are they thinking? And it's like, just leave it alone. Just, just drop it. Cause you get to enjoy your life now and they get to right. enjoy you, which is exactly you. Exactly. And that, I mean, that's really what I wanted also for my kids was for them to see their real mom, for them to be with and and get to know their real mom, not the mom who ducked out and had a drink because she just couldn't cope being, you know, with anything in life on a daily basis. So I don't think because I didn't drink excessively, I just drank daily I don't think they saw mom as having a big drinking problem. So they, they don't notice a significant difference, but they notice that I don't drink and they notice when everyone else around them, the adults do. And that is also very interesting when your kids begin to reflect back some of the choices that adults are making, especially as we tell them how to make choices. So yeah, it takes, you know, it took a while, I think for people to, get used to the new Rebecca, but now it's like, they don't care. Everyone has their own stuff. It's not a big deal. They don't care. And like I said, the hardest part was really for me, like you said, to get over myself thinking like they're going to have a story. So progressed in your recovery and this way of life, because it is a lifestyle. What have been some of the biggest, like, Oh my God, this is amazing. What, what, what are some of those awakenings that have occurred? The, the most amazing by far is waking up in the morning, not being physically hungover and not regretting overreacting and having an argument or wishing I had done something differently. Those sort of regrets and, and emotional hangovers that you have the next morning, that has by far been the best aspect. I don't have to have those types of regrets. And what are some of the subtle like changes that have occurred? You know, I think one thing that I noticed, I used to smoke heavily too. And I noticed when I quit the first, very first time I quit smoking in college, I went to the bar and all of a sudden I drank twice as much because I didn't have anything to do. There was a a gap, a time period gap. And once I accounted for that and found something else to do with those seven minutes, it was easier. It's the same thing, the subtle noticing that, well, I don't have to spend time planning 
how we're going to get alcohol before we do X, Y, Z, or I don't have to, you know, plan everything around alcohol. And it, it feels feel subtle at the time, but then you step back and begin to realize how much of our lives we actually plan things that revolve around alcohol and excuses to drink alcohol. And it, it's just, it's a lot of effort for a beverage, for a drink. So it's nice to not have to negotiate, how will I get home? Where will I leave my car? Who's going to drive? You know, where do we need to go to pick up more wine? All of those logistics and just kind of go and and things are much more straightforward. So it's cleared your mind, the thinking process. Yes. Right. Yes. And it's not having, I mean, emotional energy and physical energy, all of that as a mom is like a precious commodity. So being able to conserve where I can just feels, it feels great. Just being able to really streamline those constant barrage of to-dos and thoughts and yeah. Right. And so did you find your practice as you got sober or did you already have your practice work-wise, your your yoga nidra practice? So my, my yoga practice has changed over the years with each season of life. You know, I've done yoga through, I I used, I abused yoga to lose like 20 pounds and get really fit for my wedding, which was like eons ago. And I was so so skinny and unhealthy. I've used it in that way. I've also done it very healthy ways for my pregnancies and, you know, postnatal. I mean, I've done Ashtanga. I've done everything, all, all kinds of yoga. And then right when my divorce was happening, I also was diagnosed with a host of autoimmune illnesses. And so I was in a lot of pain and exhausted. And I, I noticed I couldn't do, couldn't do my yoga practice that I had had previously, be real sort of aggressive, pushing myself. And I had to adapt. And that was, that was difficult for me. So I worked with one of my favorite teachers and that was when I found yoga nidra. So, you know, at the time it wasn't a conscious, I'm going to get sober and do yoga nidra, but it certainly isn't coincidental that I learned and discovered yoga nidra and developed the capacity to even be comfortable in my own body with a nervous system that's totally frayed and, you know, trauma lodged in every area. It was not a safe container for me to be in my own body. So So that's interesting right there. You said it wasn't a safe container to be in. And I really believe that the mind, the way that we think and the people that we surround ourselves with, they can be toxic. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. And that toxicity like creates the autoimmune issues. And I am not a doctor. I am not saying like, I'm not, you know, just hear me out on this, but because I was diagnosed autoimmune condition, you know, back in the day before anything was even anything. And it was because my thoughts were so sick. And when I get around toxic people, toxic relationships, I like my stomach gets all in knots. I feel my body freaks out. So it doesn't surprise me that the path kind of opened up for you. And this teacher was dropped in and opened your eyes to this beautiful practice. And I'm not surprised that you became a teacher and now are a huge advocate and share this with mothers to really transform their lives. Yeah, absolutely. I know. I'm sure you have had a similar experience. I'm sure that the audience listening, I would venture to guess just based on conversations I've had traveling and all my friends and colleagues that there's a pretty high, maybe 50%, maybe higher of women who either suspect they have an autoimmune situation 
vision going on or have are seeing doctors and maybe not getting any progress about it. And then maybe a smaller number who actually have a diagnosis because it is such a difficult thing that women, it's, it's really an epidemic for women. And, you know, that became one of my passions because I wasn't, I wasn't going to take sort of the, well, we don't know for an answer. And so that led me to dive deep into that. But absolutely the environment I was steeping in was just toxic and my body could not take it anymore. And so, you know, yoga nidra is great telling people to sit and recover is great, but what do you do when that becomes, you physically can't because you are walking around terrified with a dysregulated nervous system that's on fire and, you know, PTSD and other just dysregulated things that you need to be able to rewire. And frankly, there aren't a lot of yoga teachers who are qualified to help hold that space for you. There aren't a lot of therapists who are are qualified to do that type of work. I really had to piece together my own sort of cadre of, you know, acupuncturist here and a yoga teacher here and a therapist here and make it work for me and, and go out and find the research and read the books. And of course, The Body Keeps the Score was transformation for me to actually even, I couldn't read it for three years. I was terrified to open it. And I finally did. And I had to do it in very small bits and pieces, but to see that I wasn't alone and it was okay for me to explore this area without judging myself for having created it without, you know, blame, but just to be. Just to be. That is it. There's so much judgment that mothers carry, right? And we, we're not even cognizant of the judgment, but it's there constantly. Mm-hmm. And I think that in within itself deteriorates like our sleeping patterns, relationships, the way that we move about in the world, we carry weight because of it. What are some of the things that you've seen with your work that ha- like with the hypnotherapy and the yoga nidra, what have been some of the biggest transformations? It's amazing. It is incredible to see someone's physical body change after a yoga nidra session or a hypnotherapy session. And they, when you first start talking, they're, you know, visibly tense and maybe their face is pale and they're talking quickly. And then you go through a session and they're glowing. Their cheeks are rosy. They have circulation back. They've been able to breathe. They are speaking more slowly and you see it on a physical level. People will tell you about things that, you know, I feel better. That was really relaxing. But to be able for me to see it is is really incredible. And it, it helps you know that that's going to carry over a little bit into their life when they move on and, and do whatever's next in their day. So I really love that. That's one of my favorite, favorite aspects. I haven't had anyone who has had like night terrors that have been resolved or anything that's highly dramatic. But the biggest change that isn't insignificant is when someone comes to me because my approach to sleep is a little not traditional compared to a very masculine dominated neuroscience sort of pushing a, you know, if you check these boxes, you're going to sleep. And then when women don't, and they're laying there ruminating, they think something's wrong with them. And when we talk and they realize, oh, I can create my own relationship with sleep and beginning to actually redefine their entire relationship. And that unravels so much more and peels back layers in every 
other area of their life. That to me is pretty, pretty transformational for women. And I don't think that many people are even aware when they, when they first talk to me, how pervasive and how really terrible our relationship is with sleep. They just think like, I just, I'm tired. I have insomnia. Just let me, you know, what do I need to do to sleep tonight? Yeah. Episode, I think it's episode four. I talked to Karen Brody and we talk about this, how there's not, I just need to sleep. I just tell me what I need to do. And with her tribe, she has uh, daring to rest and the sleep circle. And she, she does this kind of let's get together and take naps together, which I think is a really beautiful thing for women. Uh, You know, cat naps. That's great. I used to do that with my practice before uh, COVID hit and it was super powerful. So with, I know that you are in a transition right now with Cultivate Rest. And I want to read something really interesting that you sent to me because I think this this gets into in sobriety or in recovery, we get to explore our lives. And I loved how clear this was. So here it is. I am in one of my internal reflection cycles, a tiny bit of an existential crisis with what I want to do with Cultivate Rest and or offer publicly. I might either be a terrible guest or a great guest. I am really disillusioned. This is where it gets good. I am really disillusioned with what feels like the wellness guru MLM complex. And I'm not sure how I'm going to share those feelings or move forward. So my, my question, Rebecca, is what are you disillusioned with? <laughs> well, I, you know, on social media, yogis are frequently the way that they curate themselves is not necessarily representative of what we want yoga to, to be to people. So I've gone through this before, but something happened and I don't know, I could, I can't tell you what the first thing that triggered this was, but I fell down the rabbit hole. Of, I feel like seeing more clearly some of the pretty public figures and pretty prominent wellness women who I, I realized we are all consuming this information as if, you know, it's great information and three out of four things will be, I love to hear them say it. And then that fourth thing slides in there just enough to make you feel a little bit scarcity, a little bit fear-based, a little bit comparison. And if you want to fix that, then you can spend money with them to get a solution, which is such a model that I think we want to get away from. Exactly. You can't say, oh, we're going to take down the patriarchy and have this collaborative community and then position yourself as the guru who's going to, you pay me 10 grand and I will show you how to be a guru. That's exactly what we're trying to get away from. And I last week was looking through my podcast because I listened to a ton of podcasts, including yours. And I don't know, I don't want to call out anybody. I don't remember exactly which one I was listening to, but if you go down and they have suggestions for other podcasts that you might like. And I was, I have screenshots. They were all young, beautiful white women, thin, young, sort of on wellness brand. And when we've gotten to that point where we've become almost a caricature and a, a brand like that, we I think we really need to check ourselves and, and, and check our authenticity and see what are we really here to serve people? What are we here to offer? And I am so passionate about offering women ways to not only come together and rest in communities, but develop the tools to have 
have this relationship to where they ha- they can go on their own and know that, well, I don't have, you know, three hours every morning to do meditation, then a yoga practice and journaling and all of that. But we can teach you how to do a 10 minute meditation that you can sneak in, go hide in the car on your lunch break. We can teach you how to have a yoga nidra practice that you can do on your lunch break. We can teach you how to weave more moments of calm and rest into your life so that it's a way of life. And I also just had this conversation with a yoga teacher who showed me her skin routine. And it was, she, she was complaining that, you know, like, oh, I'm so sorry. It's just three things. It's just three things. But that is, that is rest. It's, it's moving away from the seven product skin routine every night where we're killing ourselves to just do more and more and more and really easing back the throttle and what are the ways we can do this and it doesn't seem like you need someone to help foster that space for you but to have someone who's walked that path and kind of guide you is is pretty important to have that have that container to to explore those edges because we don't even realize most people the marketing and the profits and and how people are covertly using yoga and wellness as a brand maybe not in ways that are in line with with what we want to accomplish. I'm just dropping in right here to remind you that you deserve to live an epic and amazing life. And if you're not, I want to be the one to support you in overcoming your burnout, eliminating your perfectionism, and any of those ruminating thoughts that keep you away from the life that you want to be living. Check out my eight-week program, Mindful Safeguard, over at recoverlikeamother.com forward slash mindful. Thanks again for listening and let's get back into the episode. I think that is so spot on. I, I have stopped following a lot of people because of this exact thing where they've become too glossy. I, I just, I don't have the patience for it. And this is, I think how we, the, the conversation kind of opened up where I'm not interested in having those conversations anymore, where right. there's no depth to it. I can't, for me, I can't listen to a 30 year old. I just can't. She's not going to have the experience. She's definitely not going to have 25 years of schooling or education behind her to hold the container that I need, right? As a mature, as a mother, as a, as a person in recovery, like it's just not going to happen. Absolutely. 100%. And I, I, you know, I, there's a lot of conversations around imposter syndrome and I, I agree that for some women, that's an issue of building their confidence, but on the other end of it, you have 23 year olds right out of college who've had an epiphany and now are coaches selling services. And it it blows my mind a little bit that they would think, I think there's yes, some book expertise that they probably have. And they have a lot of to offer in a perspective kind of way, but I am looking for that wisdom and that presence that someone like yourself, like Karen offer that, that has walked this path and are wise and nurturing and really can hold, hold the ground for me because I, I, I require a lot of energy with the people I work with. So yeah, I'm with you, the glossiness. And if the only thing that they have to offer me is telling me I'll make five figures doing what at, I can't have that conversation anymore. And I actually, I was in Instagram jail for eight days because I followed, unfollowed so many people trying to clean up my own feed. And then of course, now I'm looking inside and, and trying to kind of 
make sure, look at the ways that I might be doing that and the ways I'm doing that to myself and just really trying to do that introspection to make sure that what Cultivate Rest ends up offering, it's not going to be a substantial change, but maybe it will be. I want it to be something that's really rooted in, in service to bringing women together to have these kinds of conversations and really truly rest. And sleep is something that is everyone knows it's tangible. They may not come to you for yoga nidra, but they'll come to you to talk about sleep. And then that really leads to, like I said, the unraveling of so many other things. There's something about getting the deep rest that is transformational. And women right now, mothers, let's just talk about mothers because that's who we're talking to. Mama, that's you. You know, we're under rest. We're, we're, we're up at night. If you're in your forties, you're having, you know, perimenopausal systems. If you're in your fifties and you're having menopausal system fit, uh, you know, fits and stops and rest is the solution. You know, I work with women looking at their DNA. I look at their, their environment. I look at their mindset. And the one thing that I constantly go back to is what's your rest like? What is your sleep? How much REM sleep are you getting every night? How much deep sleep are you getting every night? What can we do to correct it? And they always think they always look at me and they're like, that's it. Like, yeah, that, that, that's a big, that's let's just start there and see what changes. What are some of the things, what are some of the things that you can share with our mamas that will help them get that deep restorative sleep? The two things I think are pervasive right now. One is there's a lot of anxiety and a lot of it is about schedules for work and school and camp. And I'm going through that myself. And so there's a lot of like, well, I'm exhausted, I'm tired, but when I lay down, I can't turn off my mind. And then the next thing that typically happens for women is they have anxiety about their anxiety. And I just encourage women to consider that the anxiety isn't the problem and you are not your anxiety. You don't have to get into a blame cycle because it's taking you longer than normal to fall asleep. When we can depersonalize the situation and not say, well, it's my anxiety. They'll say, my anxiety is so horrible. I know my anxiety is really bad. My anxiety is bad. Just those words are show you where that mindset is. It, you don't know. It's, it's a rumination. It's a sleep pattern. And we can address that. And that's something much simpler. And, and then in those moments, something, it's really simple about if you're, if you're laying there for 45 minutes, get up go do something. And then they say, I'm allowed to do that (laughs) because all of this information from experts who tell you to do this and do this. Yes. You're allowed to do whatever feels right for you. You can get up and go read a book. You can get up and go, go watch TV. I know your phone is there. So I don't give women advice. Like don't be on your phone for most women. That's not practical. We know they're doing it. So let's give advice around it. So yeah, the rumination is one that, you know, there's a lot of other practical things during the day. And I, when I know I'm going to ruminate, like this is probably prime time because we're starting camps this week. So when I know I'm going to ruminate, I give myself a long runway to sleep. So starting at like five (laughs) when the the lights are off, it's natural light. I'm not turning on lights. And my kids are like, we're pioneers. We're living by candlelight, but we're ramping down. We're telling our, we're, we're supporting our bodies, hormones, nervous system, all the systems that our brain and our body are telling us it's time to start ramping down for sleep. 
I'm doing that. I'm not journaling. I don't do, I don't work out after 4 p.m. I mean, so I give myself this really long runway to ease myself into it. And then I, I do believe in keeping a consistent wake up time because that sunlight in your eyes is so important to regulating so many other systems and your hormones and your sleep cycle. So that's really huge. And it's something that almost all of us can do right away. When you wake up, get some sunlight right in your eyeballs. If you can go outside, go outside. And I, you know, I don't sleep with uh, room darkening. I can't do it. And I don't know if it's a nervous system thing with me, but I need that light I can't be in just a, a completely darkened room. But the other thing that's happening, and I guess it's kind of, maybe it's kind of related, is this idea of revenge insomnia. Have you heard of this? This is with moms in particular who feel so overstressed, overcommitted, over everything all day that after the kids are asleep and your partner might be asleep, after all of that, you stay up watching Netflix till 2 a.m. Or you stay up and that's when you answer your emails and do all the things. You're reclaiming that time as your own. And I've done that and it feels kind of fun. You're like, I'm just going to be, you know, do my own thing for once. And, you know, I think First of all, it's a terrible term, but that's what it was coined in the in the media. That's a terrible term, but I think there's something to be said for women feeling that way, acknowledging you feel that way. Maybe you can find a better time during the day to do that, <laughs> but if you're going to do it once, not that big of a deal. If you're starting to do it consistently, it's going to slam your sleep cycle in so many ways. So it's something to watch out for. Yeah, it's a thing. I think there's something to be said about how over scheduled we are and how over committed we are. And one of the, one of the things that I just want to say is like, stop, right? Like stop with the calendar of over commitment, stop with the yeses, stop because that revenge, what did you call it? Revenge insomnia. Yes. Right. Yes. We, we need an out. We need an out. We need our time. So right. if we just say no, if we just say stop, if we can redirect our little voice, right? If we could just say, okay, I'm just going to take a break. I'm not going to do that X, Y, Z. Then we don't need to reach for that revenge insomnia because I I've actually caught myself doing this at like nine o'clock at night where I'm like, I'm just yep. going to check my email and get it done. So I don't have to do it tomorrow morning. And then I'm yep. on there. It's like nine 30. I'm like, Oh shit. I just lost 30 minutes. Yeah. I lost yeah. 30 minutes of my life that I spend with my husband, my partner. Right. Like that's yeah. our time. And so I've had to like really mindfully like back off and be like, I'm not, no, that's not an option for me because there is something, I mean, there's a lot of science around the computer and the eyes and the blue light. Right. So it really messes with the circadian rhythm and I can feel it. Can you tell the difference when you're on it? I can, that has not been a habit that I've broken yet. I also, I have terrible eyes, so it's just okay. the entire practice is terrible for me, but I do, I, I do know it's real. I totally yeah. believe it 100%. I don't think that overall as a population that people are ready for that. They don't want to hear it. There's a lot of science that they're not ready, you know, mm -hmm. to, to change habits that are that ingrained, but it's absolutely a real thing because light is the, it's one of the easiest things that we can control. If we can wake up and, and look directly at the sun, I mean, not like burning our retinas out, but it's, it's 
it's easy to do and doesn't require a lot of effort on our part. And it is incredibly powerful for all of our hormones and all the healing functions that start to kick in. And when you learn about the light, it really is eye opening, no pun intended. But I think it's interesting too, that there's something about this, all of this, the same thing that prevents us from saying no, the same thing, that same voice that says you know, I'm going to do that. I'm going to stay up late tonight and watch this because I really want, you know, all of those same voices are the same voice that told me like, I need a finger of bourbon tonight to get through this because I can't do it on my own. That didn't allow me the space to be with myself, to be there for myself and to sit in the discomfort. The same voice that says yes, when I should be saying no and won't reclaim my own time because you're you're not using the muscle. And once you start using the muscle a little bit, you see more of how this kind of shrinking back and not not stepping into that permission, permission to go to sleep when you want to, permission to get up if you're not sleeping right away. That permission for women, I think, is a, is a big pattern. What do you need permission for right now, Rebecca? Well, what you said about the permission to say no Oof, because I, I've been blissfully not overscheduled during the pandemic. And now the, the, the schedules are starting to creep back in. And I have to be honest, it's, it's overwhelming. And I do not know how I used to do this because I, it, it really is kind of soul crushing <laughs> to try to meet everyone's needs and you end up meeting no one's and you come laugh and then you go to work and your, you know, boss smirks at you because you're 10 minutes late. This is a real story. And I broke down just crying, sobbing because I had I'd done so much that morning already and no one, no one, no one cares. So, you know, I think if I could have a permission slip right now, it's the honesty is one thing that I, I told myself when I reentered life, I was going to show up and be honest and not try to be the, the perfect employee or the perfect mom or the perfect friend, but to be honest when I was struggling. It's so interesting that we live in this time where we're so busy. People aren't really paying attention to us. We are, we're consumed with our own thinking, yes. which is problematic for people in recovery. It's as if we have to, as, as mothers in recovery, we have to turn off that part of our brain. And one of yes. the, one of the greatest things that you and I both do is we practice yoga nidra, right? So that, that is like fantastic. Another part of your journey is that you help people with hypnotherapy, which is a profound experience. I had a session with Rebecca and I was like dropped to another level and it was beautiful. And it just, you know, I always, I was like, ah, it's not going to work for me. It's not going to work for me. You know, like it's not going to work for me, but what that experience allowed me to do was to drop into myself. And that is what we need right now. As mothers, we need to connect to that inner soul, that part of us that wants to be sober, that wants to be in recovery, that wants to be free from that voice of me, 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 you know? So yeah. how are, how can our ladies get a hold of you and follow your fantastic path and what you're doing in the world? Where do you want them to go? Well, I am right now still on social media on Instagram at cultivate.rest. Also have a website, cultivatereSt.com, And they can also connect over email if they want to reach out. That's all in my Instagram. I, 
think the next iteration, I had been working one-on-one with people in the next iteration. I really want to offer more group work because I'm missing the connection that happens when there's a sisterhood. So that's what I, I, that's what I'm feeling around next. Of course, it, it's so difficult to get women to give their moms to give ourselves permission to do that. So that's tough. Well, I hope you have found this episode to be really useful. It was incredible information. Rebecca's path to recovery is blissful and there's so much honesty here. You know, that's one of the things that I really appreciate appreciate about these conversations is that we're just two moms hanging out, having a conversation about life. And as we recover and things go on, you know, life goes right and left and we have to figure things out. And right now you're figuring something out, which is amazing. Like you're not drinking over it. Right. No, I, in it. I trust myself. I believe yes. in myself. And I, I know that I have, even if when I feel like I don't have the tools to get through it, or I feel like I'm a mess, I know I can show up for myself and I know I can breathe. And sometimes that's all I know. And that's okay too. So yeah. Yeah. And you can and show I up just, for your kids. Oof, yes. I do so much of that. And yeah. I just want to thank you also for these conversations because for, I think, moms like me who are living just very authentically and and kind of messy and gritty, it really helps so much that there is a space where it's not, you know, another wellness guru, six-figure priestess who wants to tell you how leaving the country is going to, you know, solve all your problems and go on vacation and all that, you know, these conversations are how we really have to, the harder part is living inside yourself and being with yourself. And so these conversations help a lot to remind us that there's a bunch of us out there doing this. We are all doing it, mama. Rebecca, thank you so much for being on the show. It's always good to connect with you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, my friend, may you find something bright, something light, and something so delicious that fills you up so you can be the best mother I know you are. Until next time, take good care. Hey, are you trying to overcome burnout? So many people are. You're not alone. And maybe you have perfectionism running through you and ruminating thoughts of how to do something. Maybe you avoid things. I don't know. It gets tricky the longer that we are in recovery. The good news is that I help women in recovery access the life they imagined through a practice of mindfulness. I have an eight-week program, eight weeks. That's what it takes to change your life around where you can start living and thriving in your life, the life that you got sober for. If you're burnt out in your recovery and you need a tune-up, you want to try something else, check out the Mindful Safeguard. You can find out more information over at Recover Like a Mother. Get on the wait list. It's an eight-week program. It opens and closes. And I would love to have you participate because I know that you didn't get sober just to live in mediocrity. No, you got sober to live a life beyond your wildest dreams. All right. I hope to see you in there. Thanks again for listening to the show.